Turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Proverbs. Uh, some of you are wondering why I wasn't singing. I'm trying to save my voice for the preaching tonight, and so uh, that's why I wasn't singing. I love to sing. I love to be with everybody else when you're singing, but I could not tonight. <clears throat> I was preaching about sin, and there was no end to that this morning. Proverbs chapter number 29, verse number 1. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse number 1. <clears throat> I'll read out loud. You read along with me silently, but we'll read together as is our custom here. Proverbs 29.1, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed that without remedy. Turn back to Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter number 5. Verse number 22 and verse number 23. His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself. He shall be holden with the cords of his sins. He shall die without instruction. And in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. Father, thank you for the Bible. Let me help your people, please. Lord, it really doesn't matter to me whether people think I'm a great preacher or a dud, as long as they hear from you, that's all I really care about, if their lives would change because of truth. So help me tonight, Holy Ghost of God, to speak to the spirit that you have awakened in every one of us the day we got saved. May your spirit speak with our spirit. Help us to not only know that we are children of God, but whether we're walking in truth Please lead us and guide us. I love you and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I left my family. I couldn't believe how calloused I'd grown. Then I woke up one morning in cold, freezing rain and said, I'll go back where I caused so much pain. Oh, just in sight of the place where the lane meets the road. The Father was waiting to carry my load. His big arms were open to draw me to Forgiven, forgiven, forgiven again. If you broke in the trust, 
and betrayed your best friend. If you're lost and confused, wondering where it will end, there's a way you can know that wherever you've been, you can make your way home and be forgiven again. Oh, just inside of the place where the lane meets the road, the to carry my load. His big arms are longing to draw you to him. Forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. big arms, oh, they are longing to draw you to him. I'm forgiven, oh, I'm forgiven, forgiven again. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Turn to 1 Samuel, please. 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, chapter number 23. 1 Samuel, chapter number 23. Thank you so much for being here. Socks, love your hat. I've always thought that ladies look good in hats. I think some guys do. Most of us look stupid. <laughs> Ladies can wear a ball cap. They can wear a toboggan. They can wear a, uh, it doesn't make any difference. It's just almost like hats were made for ladies and not for guys, in my opinion. And so ladies wear hats. Make you look nice. Okay. Whatever. Now, 1 Samuel chapter number 23. Let me bring you up to speed here where I'm at. King Saul has been chasing David to destroy him. He wasn't chasing David to find out truth. He wasn't chasing David to find out what all he was chasing him to kill him. King Saul, the king, God's anointed king, was chasing David. Now, there was no real reason for this. No real reason for this. It was all made up in King Saul's mind. Now, I want you to listen to me carefully. Is all made up in his mind, sank down into his heart. In other words, it was he supposed. You know how you do, well, what else can it be? You know how you do that? It's a, well, I supposed. 
And this was King Saul, a leader of an entire nation, was acting this way. It started with jealousy. A man who gave his life to King Saul and fought his battles for him to make him look good, all he had to do was hear somebody praise David more than him. That's all it took. Jealousy set in, and then envy set in, then anger set in, then hatred set in, and then destruction set in. This seems to be the mode that people tend to follow. King Saul's entire day, day after day after day, it's all he thought about was how to destroy this other man. Now, let's to be careful. 1 Samuel chapter 23, look at verse number 8. Verse number 8, look at it, 23, 1 Samuel 23, verse number 8. And Saul called all the people together to war, to go down to uh, Keilah and besiege David and his men. What does it say to begin? Saul called all the people together to war. Wait a minute, to go after David and his men? King Saul, you're calling people to war. To go after David. Look at verse number 11, the second part of verse number 11 here. Watch what he says. Go down there. O Lord God, you see that, verse number 11? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, he will come. David's praying and saying, oh, don't let this happen. And the Lord told him, he's coming. He's coming. And so here, I'm trying to prove a point here. Go to verse number 14, the second part of verse number 14. In the second part, he says this. See, about... about two-thirds of the way down, and Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. God was watching over David. That, that didn't stop King Saul from going after him. He had it in his mind that this guy was trying to steal the kingdom from him, and because of that, he had to kill him to stop him. He had to kill him, get him out of the way. It started with jealousy, and from that point on, he starts making up stuff in his own mind that he thought was true. Go to verse number 26, same chapter. Verse 26. And Saul went on this side of the mountain, and David and his men on that side of the mountain. And David made haste to get away for fear of Saul, for Saul and his men compassed David and his men round about. David was doing his best to keep away from him. He was doing his very best to stay away from him. David had done everything that he possibly could to explain to him and show him his thoughts of him were wrong. Now follow me. Follow my story now. Listen to me. He was trying to show Saul, I would never hurt you. Remember, David had several chances to take his life, which you think would be enough proof to say, if I wanted to, I would have already done it. One night he come down, Joab and the whole army was around. They were looking for David. David was up in a cave in the mountains there somewhere. And Saul, King Saul down here with all of his men sleeping there for the night. David and one of his mighty men at night went down, got past all of the guard, got past Joab, the captain of the guard, got past all of them, and something got in him and he cut off a piece of King Saul's skirt, is what they called it, of his uniform, took that back up. While he was down there, the man that was with him said, David, let me kill him. I, I can take care of your problem right now. David said, I will not touch God's anointed. And then he tells us why he'll either die in battle or it'll be his time to die or God will take his life. 
David said, I don't have to do that. We'll get to that later on. He tried his best to prove that he would never hurt King Saul. He tried to prove to him, look, he ran away. He didn't stay and fight and split up the kingdom. David ran away to let Saul know, I'm not after your kingdom. I don't want it. If that's what God wants, that's his business. But I'm not after it, Saul. And this was something that Saul was concerned about. And he avoided every confrontation he could have. David said, I'm not going to get into it with you. David allowed God to take care of things so as to not put King Saul on the spot or embarrass him or, or make him look bad or to get into a fight with him. Now, this is just me. From what I learned about David, David could have killed Saul. If they got in a fight between them, David and his mighty men with Saul and his men, I think David would have cleaned up the ground with him. So on that note, I think David was trying his best to stay away. He didn't want to embarrass Saul. He didn't want to put him on the spot. He didn't want to take his life. He wanted to let him know, King Saul, I could have done that. I didn't do it because I'm not after you. And they're yelling back and forth. David's up on the mountain. They're down there. And then he gets on Joab. You're supposed to be watching over him as if to say, if I were there, I wouldn't let that happen. But you did. So David's trying his best to prove all of this. And he just keeps running. You know, it sure seems like preachers and Christians tend to avoid and run away from problems or confrontation. You ever notice that? There's a reason why we do that. I want you to stop and think what would happen if a pastor just decided to tell everything he knew, say everything he knew, get even with everybody. You understand the damage that a preacher could do? Do you understand how much havoc he could raise in a local church or in a neighborhood doing all of that? How many lives would be destroyed if he just set out to say everything he knew about everybody? But like David, most pastors I know that care at all, they would rather absorb the hurt instead of healing. They would rather take on the problem. They, they don't want the spotlight. They do not want to expose uh, and, and hurt anyone. They really don't want to. This is why we absorb the hurt. This is why we put up with the javelin throwers. This is why we put up with those who make up stories and think that they're going to harm us. Because we really do, most preachers I know, really do believe that God in heaven will take care of us and also take care of them. This is what David relied on. David relied on his God taking care of David and also taking care of Saul. This is what David relied on. David knew God's word and said, I don't have to do, I don't have to get even with anybody. I don't have to show up anybody. I don't have to prove anybody that I know the truth and you're lying. I don't have to do that. David could have done that. David could have proved all of it and he tried. Bless his heart, he tried. But he didn't embarrass King Saul. He didn't go after King Saul. He didn't hurt King Saul. He would rather run and have people think badly of him than embarrass King Saul. Are you listening to me? But these types of actions many times just infuriate the people that are upset with you. See, what they wanted was a confrontation. What they wanted was to put you on the spot. What they wanted was to embarrass you. What they wanted was to destroy you. And David wasn't going to let that happen. So David keeps running and then tells him, I could have taken your life. That's not what I want. And you think that would have settled it. It didn't. It only infuriated the whole situation trying to do right. It causes them to make up scenarios. 
make up different stories and more determined to punish and to hurt and to destroy. Where do I get this from? Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 22. Go down to verse number 18. Chapter 22. Look at verse number 18. Now hear what we have. King Saul has been after David for some time. David has just left. David went to a certain city where there were some priests there. And uh, he left so fast because he didn't want to get into it. King Saul, not there, not, not, not there in that neighborhood. So he takes off. And on his way out, he didn't take any armament with him. His men didn't take any food with him. So he stops by the priest's place. Sorry. And he says to him, uh, now, the priest was completely oblivious to what was going on. And David stops by, and he, oh, David's, David's King Saul's best guy. He stops by there. He didn't know anything was going on. And he tells him, David, what are you doing here? God bless you. He said, do you have any food here? Well, yeah, we have the, we have the bread here from off the table. Every, every day they would move it and put on fresh bread and bread. So they gave that to us. He said, that will be good. Do you have any weapons here? And he said, we have the sword of Goliath. See, that's where it was kept. It was all wrapped up and kept there because uh, David never used the sword against God's people. David wasn't asking for the sword to kill Saul. He was simply taking, there's a lot of people that didn't like David. David had whooped up on a lot of Amalekites, a lot of Philistines, and they didn't like David. So David takes this sword, and he doesn't say much to the high priest that was there, and he takes off. Not long after that, on David's, on his way out, he spotted a guy that was watching over King Saul's sheep. His name was Doeg. And he looked at him, and at that time, David said, I knew I should have done something. But David takes off, him and his men take off. Not long after that, King Saul and his men show up. And he starts asking the priest, and here's where our story picks up. Look at verse 13, and King Saul said to them, Why have you conspired against me? that thou and the son of Jesse, in that thou hast given him bread and a sword and hast inquired of God for him, that he should raise... What are you... you can, I can see the priest standing going like this. What, what are you talking about? What, what, are you, what are you saying? I don't know any of this that you're talking about. Watch what happens. Then Ahimelech answered the king and said, Who is faithful among thy servants is David? Now he's looking at David. He doesn't know anything about what's been going on. And he said... We're talking about David. There's nobody so faithful to you as David. You, you get in the picture? Watch. Watch watch how all of this is made up in our heads at times. You, you do know I'm not talking about David and Saul, right? Y'all plugged into that. Now watch what happened, y'all, all of you. Which the king's son, and then he says this. We're talking about your son-in-law, right? Remember, he married Micaiah and, and, or Michelle, whatever you want to say. And the king's son-in-law. You married, you're part of the family. Is this the David we're talking about here that goeth at thy bidding uh, and is honored to, thy, to thine own house? He said, this is the guy that goes out and fights battles to bring honor. Now, we talk about the same guy here. Watch what happens. Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Be it far from me. Let not the king impute anything unto his servant, nor to all the household of my father. For thy servant knew nothing of all of this, lest or... I didn't know anything about this. You're asking me things I don't know anything about. The only thing I know is there's not a more loyal man than David to you. He, he's your son-in-law. He married your daughter. He goes out and fights for you, brings honor. We're talking about David, right? I don't know what you're talking about. Watch what happens. 
Now, because King Saul let this go from his head to his heart to actions, now you listen to me, those thoughts that keep going through your mind of getting even, of making somebody pay, they won't stop in your mind. They will sink down into your heart, and what as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It will eventually come out. Watch what happens here. Go down to verse number 16. And the king said, Thou shalt surely die, Ahimelech, thou and all thy household. And the king said unto the footmen, those that were with him, that stood about him, Turn and slay the priests of the Lord. King Saul, are you kidding me? It's gotten this far. It's not just David now. You want him to slay the priest. Really? And they all said, can't do that. Watch what happens here. Then he says, because their hand also is with David. And he's trying to tell them, here's what's going on. Their hand is with David as sure as I'm the king and you need to kill him. Watch what happens here. Because they knew that when they fled, they did not show it to me. But the servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priests of the Lord. And the king said to Doeg, turn thou and fall upon the priest. Now look at this. He's he's currying for favor here. Everybody knew God takes care of Israel. You don't put your hands on God's priest. You don't do that. Watch what he says. And Doeg the Edomite turned and he fell upon the priests and slew on that day fourscore and five persons that wore the linen, 85 priests that knew nothing about what was going on. Do you understand when you decide to have it in for somebody and you go after somebody, other people are going to get caught up and other people are going to get hurt because the way that you're making stuff up in your head. You're letting it sink down in your heart. Now it's starting to come out and I don't care who you think you are. If you side with him, I don't like you either. That's not all. You see, things are really getting out of hand now. Watch what happens. He's going to destroy even more. Look at verse number 19. And Nob, the city of the priests, smote he with the edge of the sword, both men and women and children and sucklings and oxen and asses and sheep with the edge of the sword. Because King Saul couldn't stand David. You know, sometimes if you were to ask people after months or years of them being upset about something, ask them, what started this whole thing? Uh, just, it's just I, I don't remember now, but it was bad. That bad, huh? It happens among married couples. They'll go on and on. And on. So what started the whole thing? People who attack me, honestly, if it wouldn't ag things on, I'd love to ask them, so why are you acting that way? You make me mad. No, that's not what I'm asking. What started the whole thing? It's amazing how once you get started, things just begin to build. We go from molehills and we build them into mountains. What you should have done was taken that big mountain that you made, bring it back down to some reality, and in this particular case, it would have been as flat as the ground does. There was nothing there. Saul's making all this up in his own head. So we find out here in chapter number 22, 18 and 19, that now he starts destroying people who even sided with David. If you talk to David, if you sided with David, if I think you even go along with David, you're out of here. Do you have somebody that maybe you're not fond of? And you saw somebody talking to them. And you know what you said? Huh, yeah, see, they're siding with each other. It's easy to do when we were having, remember the big split? Hope you don't. 
Mike told me one day, he said, I didn't know you had a splinter after I started talking about it. Um, but I remember standing in the hallway. I'm telling you, I was fit to be tied. I just didn't know what else to do. I, I didn't. I mean, it, it was a bad day in my life back then. And I looked down the hallway, and I saw one of my deacons and his wife talking to some who were trying to pull people out of here. And my heart just broke. I didn't know what else to do. Here was my thoughts. They're leaving too. They're siding with them. They're standing down the hallway talking to them right now. So I called them into my office, and they stood there, and I said, are you leaving too? Preacher, understand what goes on in a person's mind when we suppose. And they looked at me and said, I, I don't understand. I said, I saw you talking to, and I thought maybe it was for, and they both started crying. Preacher, we wouldn't leave you. Well, I mean, eventually they did, but at that time they wouldn't. <laughs> Cross my heart, hope he dies. Um, and they both said, now watch this. They said, T watch, tell us who you want us to talk to and be with or not be with. And I said, I'll never do that. If you can't trust and be loyal because it's right, I am not going to tell you who to watch out for. and who not. I'm just not going to do that. And so what happens here is King Saul was splitting the loyalty of the people around him. Splitting the, he wouldn't bring his kingdom back together. David is mighty been let, and everybody already knew it. I mean, the word was out. The guy who killed 10,000, he's not with us anymore. And his mighty men said, David, leaves, we're leaving too. And off they went. And now all of a sudden we come to find out King Saul has it in for David. No, King Saul has it in for anybody that talks to David, looks at David, or sides with, or he just makes it up in his head that you might like David. And he goes after them. So we find out here the loyalty, instead of bringing the kingdom together and unifying it, and because his rage over made-up thoughts... Over made up thoughts. I saw the way he looked at us and I didn't like it. I think they just did it again. It's a plot. Right? Coming back to reality. It's amazing what our minds will do and how we think we're right so many times. He's adding destruction and devastation to all he comes in contact with because of a made-up problem over one of the most loyal people he has ever had around him. Saul was bound to determined to use every resource, as much time as it took, no matter how inconvenienced everybody else was, to destroy a made-up enemy. A made-up enemy. Look, Jesus even knew who his enemies were. They were the guy just stuck him in the side with a spear. Those guys over there nailed me, and he said, Father, forgive them. Look, if you have real enemies, you don't need to make it up. They're either there or they're not. Quit making stuff up in your head. This is what King Saul was doing. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 24. This whole thing with David was first and foremost on his mind, day after day after day, and it was growing. I mean, it was growing. No matter how it may jeopardize his own kingdom, he didn't care. See, this way some people do about their church or their family. I don't care who it hurts and I don't care what happens here. I know what's right and wrong. Well, if you did, you wouldn't be doing that. So what happens here? Look at, go, go down to 
chapter 24, verse number 12. And the Lord judge between me and thee, and the Lord avenge me of thee, and mine hand shall not be upon... This is David. And as the proverb of the ancients... Ready? Ready? Watch. Listen to me when you start listening to people that are mad at other people. Wickedness proceedeth from the wicked. But my hand shall not be upon thee. After whom is the king of the king of Israel? The king of Israel. Who are you after? And David tells him who he's been chasing. Ready? Who dost thou pursue? A dead dog? This is the way David truly looked at himself compared to Saul. You're, King Saul, with everything important you got to do, you're chasing a flea. I'm one guy, you're a whole nation. David couldn't understand. By the way, a lot of the people that you may have an in for do not understand what the big hairy deal is that you put in so much time to talk about them and destroy them. And the same thing if you're listening to other people. So what happens here is this. Down in verse number 15, Saul would not listen to reason even from those of his own family and his best friends. In 1 Samuel chapter 19, 1 Samuel chapter 19, here we have the story of Jonathan. You remember, Jonathan and David's heart were knit. I mean, they were as close as two guys could ever be. And because of that, his daddy, when he got a bad spirit about this whole thing, he'd ride in on that and said, that's got to stop. So Jonathan went out on his own to tell David, I think David said, your dad, why did you run? Your dad has it and he wants to kill him. No, 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 dad wouldn't do that. By the way, that's what your kids keep thinking. Dad wouldn't do that. I know dad, dad wouldn't. So Jonathan goes to his dad. Now understand, Jonathan's not a little kid. He's a grown man. He's excellent with a bow and a sword. He's a very, very capable warrior. And he loved David, but he loved his dad too. So he's going to go and try to pull the two together and make some sense of this whole thing. So watch what happens here. Go down chapter 19 and verse number 4. And Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul and said unto him, Let not kings sin. That probably enraged him against his servant, against David, because he hath not sinned against thee, and because his works have been to thee word for very good. He said, Dad, come on. You know, everything he's done has only been for your good. You know that. He's not sinning against you. But watch what he says in verse 5. For he did put his life in his hand and slew the Philistine, talking about Goliath, and the Lord wrought a great salvation for all of Israel, Thou sawest it. Dad, you were there and didst rejoice. Remember how you rejoiced when this, when this youngster took down this? Do you remember? All of Israel shouted and went forward, and now we're back where we used to. Because, Dad, Dad you were there. Do you remember what happened there? Therefore, wherefore then hast thou sinned against the innocent blood to slay David without a cause? Now, Jonathan just tried to present some reasoning to his daddy. Saul would not believe Jonathan. Jonathan was his son. He tried to tell his dad, what are, you, what are you so upset about? What are you so angry about? He didn't know. You know why? There was no reason there. All of this was made up. We come to find out he wouldn't believe his own daughter. He gave this girl to David later on 
in his when he was upset with him and hoping she would be a trip hazard to him, that she would cause him some problem. What a father-in-law that is, huh? Yeah, you need to marry this girl. <laughs> she over on his day. So David, and she fell in love with David. She absolutely fell in love with him. One day, King Saul said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Mikhail's house, Michelle, whatever you want to call her. Go there and get David and bring him to me. So they go there, and she puts a, they call it a bolster. It's like a pillow. And they put some straw on a bolster underneath the, uh, underneath the sheets. And so she said, he's in bed. He's not feeling well. They go back and tell Saul. He said, look, I don't care if he's not feeling Pick up the whole bed. Get him over here. So they go back there and come to find out she lied. She covered up for him. Let him out a window so he could get away. Oh, daddy was furious. Because, see, she was supposed to be on dad's side. You understand something about your daughters and your son. When they get married, you don't force them to take sides. You guys write this down. It's important stuff. So we come to find out he wouldn't listen to her. His daughter wouldn't listen to his son. He wouldn't listen to the priests. I mean, if you could trust anybody, it would have been those guys because when, they when they're not marching right with God, God just takes care of them. He wouldn't listen to them. A whole city he destroyed and wouldn't listen to them. Saul would not believe the past history that he and David had. David proved himself in his history. King Saul, I'm for you, buddy. I'll defend you with my very life. And King Saul tried to set him up several times, and he passed that test. He said, anybody can marry my daughter if you simply bring back, I think it was 25 or 30 or 50 foreskins. David brought back twice as many. And King Saul probably went, okay. But it was for King Saul's glory. How in the world do you go from someone being your best friend, someone being a lifelong partner, someone that you went to church with and went through the trenches with and both sacrificed for and you gave yourself to for years and now you cannot even speak to him? I'd love to if it wouldn't cause more of a problem. So what started the whole thing? What started you down this path? I've always been anxious to ask people, why do you hate God? Nobody's ever said it's my preaching. Nobody's ever said it was my church. Now the church gets blamed. That's that church over there. This building has never done anything. So you're talking about the people. In particular, right? I don't get on Facebook because Facebook gets on me. That's good. You like that? That's good. There you go. You're welcome. Saul was bound determined to ruin everything. He wouldn't listen to anybody around him. All of this was done to calm him you ever notice when people talk to you, you get more upset? You know, why don't you just forget it? Why don't you just come? I, cause I, cause, that's always a good response, right? Why are you doing it? Cause, not cause, cause. Yeah, but why? You, you don't understand. Those are all great answers, aren't they? Those are all great facts that everybody needs to learn about. All of this was to get King Saul to calm down and change direction. Listen, so God would not have to step in. 
Because David said, I will not touch God's anointing. That's up to God. I'm not doing that. So I want you to remember Proverbs 29 and verse number 1. He that being often reproved. King Saul had been reproved and reproved and reproved and reproved. He's still not getting it. He's still not listening. And the Bible said, he that being often reproved hardeneth his neck. You know what that means? You get on a horse. Uh, I've done that once or twice. And you say, turn this way, and the horse will go like this. You know what he's doing? He's stiffening his neck. You know what he's saying? I ain't, by, I, I ain't going along with you. I ought to do what you tell me to do. And the Bible said, often reproved. You know what that means? Told to straighten out to your face. That's what preaching does. That's what your parents do. That's what was trying to happen to King Saul. But you know what he did? I don't care who's right. I'm not listening to this. And the Bible said, he that being often not the first time, second time. I don't know how many times it doesn't say, but often, often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly. By the way, that's what happened to him one day up on a hill. Him and his boys. They all died in one day. What a shame. A great, great family. Lots of warriors. A lot of pedigree. God chose him to be the first king over Israel. And look how it all ended up. No, no, it may not be today. Now, you listen to me. It may not be today, but there will be a day. God is trying, perhaps even tonight, to get you to start thinking and change your mind about the enemies you think you have. Christian, you don't have any enemies but the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's the only ones you've got. Nothing seemingly could get King Saul to turn from person. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Except a God-sent personal attack on something he really loved. Now that you all have your attention. Go to Proverbs chapter number 5. Proverbs chapter number 5. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We're going to go there, but go to 1 Samuel chapter 23. 1 Samuel chapter 23. His friends tried to talk to him. David tried to talk to him. His son tried to talk to him. His daughter tried to talk to him. The priest tried to talk to him. Everybody, warning, 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 reproof, 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 reproof. He's not listening. He's not listening. I'm going to kill David. It's the last thing I do. And David said, don't you have, look, you're the king. Quit chasing me. I'm, I'm not coming after you. I don't want your kingdom. I know that means a lot to you. Remember what he said to Jonathan? Jonathan, what is wrong with you? Don't you know this guy's going to take your place? Don't you know that that throne is rightfully yours? And then he said something about his mom. And then he said this. He said, David, if he conquers me, he's taking your kingdom. Jonathan didn't care. By the way, David didn't care. The king saw he's the only one that cared about all of this, and it really riled him. Jealousy hit him just like that and took control over his life. So we come to find out here, only a personal attack could get him to change his mind. I mean, he's after David with whole armies full of people. Watch what happens in 1 Samuel chapter 23. 1 Samuel 23, drop down to verse number 27. 
Now, while he's chasing David, you can read the, the verses before this. Verse 27, there came a messenger unto Saul saying, haste thee and come for the Philistines have invaded the land. Back home, Saul, you left to go chase a flea. You left to go kill somebody that was your friend. You have no reason to do this. I'm going to tell you what happened. God sent something. By the way, the Bible talks about how the heathen are the sword that God uses. Saul had no business doing what he was doing, and you don't either. He's off there trying to kill innocent people and slay innocent people, and if you're a friend of David, you're a dead man too. Nothing was going to change his mind. He got his whole army chasing one man and a handful of men all over the hills of Judea. And then God stepped in. Watch what happens in the next verse. Wherefore Saul returned from pursuing after David and went against the Philistines. What changed his mind? Something David, uh, that King Saul loved so much, his kingdom. See, that's really what he was upset with David about. He thought he was going to take his kingdom from him. So now all of a sudden, he finds out that the Philistines are after his kingdom. He leaves David. So the only thing that got Saul's attention was something or someone that he loved more that he was about ready to lose. Your jealousy is going to bring you face to face with God. Your anger is going to bring you face to face with God. God does not want to destroy you. That's why I've been trying to reprove you time and time and time again. How many of these messages are you going to listen to and just keep on? I was preaching this morning and there was a person in here that when I said somebody hurt you and you haven't forgot it yet, have it? And they went just like this. That's why I made this statement. I'm talking to you. You think you have good reason, right? Well, you don't know what they did. You're right, I don't. But there is somebody I do know that knows, and it's God. And after that hurt, why do you keep adding on to that? And some of this, believe it or not, is so made up in our head. It was a conversation. From that point on, everything just went out of whack. This molehill went up like that, like Mount Vesuvius somewhere. And you keep thinking to yourself, see, 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 see. And everybody keeps saying, calm down. I don't want to calm down. What are you talking about? They like you. Oh, they don't like me. And you just keep making it up, making it up. And no matter friend, preacher tries to calm you down, you just keep digging your heels in. Understand. God said, okay, back away. I got this. There is something he loves above everything else, and that is his kingdom. Philistines, he's not there. Go get him. Saul changed his mind just like that. What happened to going after David? Something he loved more. Something he loved more. Why will you wait until God has to step in? Must God take something or someone you love before you'll get some compassion and forgiveness in your heart, Christian? Now go to Proverbs chapter 5 with me. To show you the Bible is true. The Bible says in Proverbs 5, verse 22 and 23, his own iniquities, are you there? His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself. 
You don't have to. He's setting a trap for himself. He's wrapping, he's wrapping himself up in his own sin that will eventually destroy his life because he won't listen. You're no different. I don't care what I don't care what excuse. I don't care what reason you think you have. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. You stay out of God's business. We'll do real good just to handle us. Watch what he says here. And the, and he shall be holden, wrapped up with cords of his sin. They're going to stop him dead in his tracks. He shall die without instruction. Why won't you listen? Even now, are you making excuses now on why this doesn't fit your case? Because your name's not Jonathan or Saul or David? You don't think that happens? I've had people tell me that. Well, that's a good story about Moses, but that's not me. Oh, oh, oh I get it. Your name's not Moses, so it doesn't apply to you. You belong in a different church with people who believe in dispensationalism. What, what will it take? keep building a story on the internet, don't you? You want to dig in a little deeper and make somebody pay. What's it going to take before you quit that? What's it going to take before you quit murdering other Christians? We have got enough to handle without taking on more that we have nothing to do with. Before your folly and your mischief, you'll finally let it go. When's that going to happen? Uh, when I get even. Really? Before you quit chasing someone to get even, teach them a lesson, or destroy them, what's it going to take? Let me help you here. i got a couple of points I'm done. What to do to not let it get to this point? Now I'm going to tell you what you need to do to not let it get to this point. Saul eventually found himself on top of a mountain, I think it was Mount Gilboa. Him, all of his sons, they all died in the same battle. God wasn't with Saul anymore. They not only killed them, but then when they found them, they cut their heads off and nailed their bodies to the wall. Maybe that's where that name came from. But they used to do things like that to warn everybody, don't mess with them. The Philistines were just having a big time. Broke David's heart. Not just Jonathan, Saul. That was his king. That, that was my friend. The whole time King Saul is angry and fighting his way through life. When David was over here gone, I wish we were friends again. What to do to not get in to not let it get to this point. Number one, recognize something has changed. Hyphen in you. Yeah, things have changed, all right. Do you know what they, stop, stop, stop. If you're going to not let it get to this point, you've got to realize something has changed in you. Number two, do not justify sinful actions because of hurt feelings. Do not justify sinful actions because of hurt feelings. Number three, listen to good Bible instruction. 
when someone points it out about you. We act like when somebody disagrees with they have become our enemy. I thought we were friends. Oh, so you want me to go along with your folly? You want me to go along with your gossip? You want me to go along with you stabbing someone because we're friends? I'm not going to do that. And that in itself has caused me a lot of enemies. Listen to good Bible instruction when someone points out your problem. Number four, you're just going to have to trust God and know vengeance is mine, I shall repay, saith the Lord. Do you honestly think you can make somebody pay better than God can? By the way, you don't want that anyway. You're not not supposed to feel good at somebody else's calamity, whether it comes from God or not. God's just liable to stop that on them and turn towards you. Number five, confess the sin you've allowed in your life. Everything Saul did was a sin, everything. He even got to the place where he told the preacher what he will and will not do. Well, the preacher's not doing his job, I'll do it for him. And sure enough, that happened to be one preacher that wasn't afraid of the king. Actually, he loved the king too. He loved King Saul. It broke his heart when he found out what he did. Do you understand sometimes the very people you think you have it in for really like you? They just don't understand why you're doing what you're doing. Confess the sin you have allowed in your life. Do not justify it. We're like the little kid that you say, what have you been doing? You can almost see it in their eyes. Uh, I've got to make up a story. Um, no. Let God know you're right. God, I don't even remember why I'm doing this. Why am I acting this way? Why am I believing this way? Why, why do I think everybody's doing this or doing that? What is wrong? You didn't used to be that way. Number six. Understand, understand your bitterness, anger, and vengeance is evil. Do you know what evil is? It starts including other people in on what you're doing. That's what made it evil. You're getting others involved, and now they're going to get hurt. Just like the priests, just like Jonathan's relationship with his daddy, just like Mikhail's relationship with her dad, just like David who loved him. Now it starts affecting other people in an evil way. Your one sweet spirit. Do you remember that? Remember when you used to go things like this? Oh, people get that way. It's no big thing. Now it goes right to the heart. Especially with them. Just kidding, Brother Lee. Brother Lee's like, who's he talking about? Okay, ready? Like that, that guy back there. Your one sweet, yielded spirit. That is why God blessed you and used you. God didn't use you and bless you because you're talented. God get that anyway. You were sweet spirited. You forgave people, got along with people because it's just the way you were. Everything was good. 
Saul, what, what started this? A song? A, a song? About a 17-year-old kid? Are you kidding me? You took it out on your son. You took it out on your daughter. You took it out on the priest. And you took it out on one of your very best friends that would willingly give their life to you. Over a song? What, your, your boy didn't make it up here and now you're upset? Nobody told you it was a preacher's birthday. How could they do What is wrong with us? It'll grow. It'll get out of hand. I promise you that it will. God blessed you and used you because of your sweet spirit. Now it's hard. What's wrong with you? Nothing. You didn't used to be that way. No, you didn't. And that's not a sign of maturity either. That's a sign of a hardened heart. You're getting ready to lose something or someone dear to you, are you? You won't listen. How many times have you heard something like this before? Jealousy, anger, vengeance. You've heard this before, right? So you've been reproved before. Is that correct? So he that often hardeneth his neck. You remember the rest of it? Shall suddenly be destroyed. And that with that, you want to know why there's not a remedy? God's tried to tell you several times through a friend, through preaching, through a spouse, through somebody. Sometimes it's just a little kid. You know, the Bible says in malice we should be like children. Mom, I hate that kid. Don't you say that. Well, I do. Next day they're playing together. Not us adults, buddy. We'll hold that to the grave. God said, don't be that way. Don't be that way. Don't be that way. Don't be that way. got to get your attention and the only way I'm going to do it is something you love more and that you treasure. What's going to be? Your wife? A child? Your church? What is it you hold way up there above just about everything else? God's going to have to do that. So I don't think he will. I can show you other places in the Bible where this took place too. God is trying to rebuke and warn you even again. Is he not? Do not look at preaching as take it or leave it. This is God talking to you on the inside by his spirit and the word and saying, I'm rebuking you again. I'm talking to you again. Every time you make excuse, God is saying, don't do that. You're forcing me to have to step in when I've got the preacher to do this and I've got your parents to do this and I've got your spouse to do this and I've got your friend to do this. But you're not listening anymore, are you? And now it's growing out of hand. Anybody that sides with them or even talks nice about them, you just don't understand what you're talking about. Wow. You didn't used to be that way. Saul, you know when you first called to be the king, you ran and hid. Because you thought, I don't deserve this. I don't know what to do about all this. And God said, that's why I chose you. You didn't have the big head. You didn't take the preacher's job. You didn't take your best friend and said, I'm going to kill you. I don't care what you say. You didn't used to be that way. You had a real sweet spirit about you. And it's not maturity. 
when you can stand on your own two feet and make people pay. That's called sinfulness and evil in the Bible. Now, I'd sure like to see you get back that sweet spirit. I liked you then. I still like you, but I'm worried because you won't listen. What Paul say? Have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? I can just see Paul's heart breaking because he says that. I, I got to tell you the truth because you're my friend. When did I become your enemy? Why now do I have it in for you? Please. What's it going to take? Would you bow your head with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word.